When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. On SEN, The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, not happy with that music. We've got to sort that out. That's a very flat start into what is going to be a big, big show. A bit of, bit of rock music would have done the trick this morning, but get fired up because there's plenty to talk about this morning on 1300 736 736. Big, big show coming your way. Sydney are four and zero. And a very good player for them was Sam Reed. He's going to join us out at 10 o'clock this morning. Looking forward to that. Shane Harvey is Boomer's brother. And I know all the talk is about the AFL Games record holder, and that's Boomer. But Shane's doing something extraordinary in the amateurs as he chases down a 1,000 goals, if you don't mind. We're going to have a chat to him. We'll hear from the North Melbourne coach, David Noble. We'll speak to Port Adelaide assistant coach, Jared Schofield, as they gear up for Friday night football against uh, the Richmond Footy Club and the reigning premiers tonight at Adelaide Oval. Daniel Garb. Garb is going to have a chat to us about the Masters. Uh, Justin Rose sitting nicely atop the leaderboard at seven under as we speak at the moment. So we'll get the latest with all the Aussies, five of them from Garby. Looking forward to doing that. We've got the quiz over and under, and over and under has been a big hit. We're going to go back and have a listen to some of the over and unders from last week. And um, my um, ability to be psychic is going to absolutely shock you this morning. But seriously, it's your show, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can text us on 0433-981116. That's for temper, a mattress-like. No other, let's start the show with this. But obviously there'll So as I said, it's been another massive week in the world of the AFL and so many talking points, which I'm looking forward to discussing with you this morning. But here's a few observations from me just this week. Everyone's obsession with high scoring in 2021 has gone too far. Bags of goals and the key forwards dominating and everyone's salivating over it. But you know what's better than that? What's better is a tight, intense tussle with momentum swings, skill errors under fierce pressure, and a result that hangs in the balance right until the final stages, which is what we got last night. Not the prettiest performance from Estonen and Sydney, but one that you couldn't take your eyes off because you didn't know what the result was going to be. Much better than this high-scoring rubbish that sees games over at half-time and you switch off knowing where the result will lie. So I'm hoping that we see more of the same in round four than what we saw last night and less of the round three blowouts where six games 
were decided by a three-quarter time. To me, that wasn't ideal. You know what else I noticed last night? Essendon's Nick Cox, I should say, is, is it's a big call, going to be the game's next superstar. So he's pick eight in last year's draft of what looks to be a particularly strong top ten already. But the seven taken in front of him would want to be great. How's his athleticism? 200 centimetres, lightning quick, runs a 2K time trial in six minutes and three seconds, if you don't mind. He kicks both feet. He's got a massive engine. And how versatile is he? One minute he's on the wing, then he bobs up in the forward line. Last night he's pinch hitting in the ruck. 18 disposals, seven marks, three scoring shots, five hitouts. One of the goals of the year was his return last night, and it's certainly going to get him the Round 4 Rising Star nomination. Essendon has a great history of producing some of the most brilliant and majestic footballers that we have ever seen. Long, Heard, Lloyd, Watson and Watson. In the next 15 years, I'm certain you can add the name Cox to that mix. The only thing more amazing than the non-holding-the-ball decision in the dying stages against Sydney's Tom Hickey last night was this from Essendon coach Ben Rutten. But obviously there'll be some talk about Hickey's holding the ball decision or non-decision. There were about 36-odd seconds left. Did you have a view on that? No, I didn't. Couldn't see it. He didn't see it. Ben, what are you doing? Mate, I don't know. Maybe Ben is looking after the umpires and he's telling fibs or maybe he needs to head back down to the boundary because if he wasn't watching the game when you're three points down in the dying stages and you can't comment on a controversial moment that happened and you didn't see it, I'm not sure what he was watching. The other thing I learnt this week was the rolling fixture is one of the great things to happen to the competition. The time slots for round seven and eight were locked in yesterday and the AFL have rightly rewarded the teams that deserve the marquee slots while also maximising the drama and storylines of each club. Had we locked in the fixture prior to the start of the season like we normally would, St Kilda, no doubt, would have been on our screens in many of the key time slots and no one wants to see them at the moment. And Sydney and the Western Bulldogs would have been punished. Thankfully, they have been rewarded for the football they are playing. The AFL did, however, miss a trick with Thursday night footy. It's been a massive winner, and it's a shame they've moved away from it. What's your thoughts on that? Are you a fan of Thursday night footy and disappointed that we've moved away from it? And the team I'm most looking forward to watching this weekend is Carlton. They play Gold Coast. And last week was good for the Blues, a 45-point win. But in all honesty, they beat up on a bunch of kids and a Frio side missing their captain. The good work will quickly be undone if they cough one up to the Suns, a team who have been smashed by injury and don't have a ruck. It's interesting to me that when good players play poorly, there's often talk about injuries, as there has been with Patrick Cripps. Haven't noticed anyone talking about the injury to Patrick Cripps on the back of his form last week. Get involved in the show. Bombers fans, how are you feeling this morning? A tough and competitive performance, but maybe one that got away. And is Cox the game's next biggest star? What else has caught your attention this week? Get involved in joining the conversation with us on the Captain's Run this morning. The number, you know it. It's one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or send us a text and get involved.
A fair bit I uh, want to work through this morning and get your thoughts on Thursday night footy, um, the AFL moving away from that. They're citing, and I heard Dwayne's World yesterday, citing the fact that they're worried about crowds on Thursday night footy. I would have, would have thought the AFL, the majority of it, is a, is a television product. I, mean, I reckon 80 cents out of every dollar that comes into the game comes from a TV rights perspective. So, yeah, I'm disappointing that we won't be able to sit down on Thursday night, watch the footy, and then talk about it on Friday morning. Have your say on that. The footy last night. Big Nick Cox. Is he the next Marcus Bontempelli? What sort of player he, is he going to be? He seems to be something absolutely special to me. And can he join the greats that have walked through the doors of Windy Hill? Get up and involved this morning. As Darren has done, he wants to speak about Lance Buddy Franklin. Good morning to you, Daz. Hello, good morning. How are you going? Good, mate. Mate, I'm a, obviously a Bomber fan and, and obviously... Uh, as, as gutted as everyone was last night in the umpiring display, not just Tom Hickey's holding the ball mutual times, but just the, the lack of free kicks not given to Essendon rather than the ones given to, to Sydney. There was a couple key moments there in the forward line and a couple of deliberates that weren't given. Um, credit to the Bombers. But what I want to say, Kano, is this morning in the, in the first five minutes of your show, uh, that's what I've been looking for. Talking about Nick Cox, talking about these young players that are coming through, yet every single other media outlet is talking about how Buddy played an amazing game. Mate, he kicked three goals and he had nine disposals. Like, key games is that goal. Last one, is, it's a key goal, don't get me wrong, but he was far from best on ground. Look down the other end, Cal Hooker had 15 touches, kicked three goals at, at very important times, and that's what people should be talking about. Buddy Franklin is Buddy Franklin. He's got a million-dollar contract, whatever he's got, but he was far from best on ground last night. Darren, the obsession with Buddy last night was was unbelievable. Now, I said last week that the broadcasters do a great job. Um, Seven and Foxtel, magnificent. Um, but they took it too far with the Buddy obsession last night. We, we do not need to know where Buddy is positioned at every stage of every game. So I'm not sure. There's, there's some internet sleuths out there that do some pretty amazing thing with the time that they've got on their hands. I'd love to know, was it a record for one player's name being called in a game of football last night? I reckon I heard the term Buddy, or the nickname Buddy, over a hundred times in one game of football. It was too much. understand he's a game's biggest star and we love to watch him and uh, he puts bums on seats, but just reckon um, Channel 7 overdid it with the Buddy references last night. It's a good pick-up from you. Do you agree? 0433 David is in Craigieburn. Uh, what would you make of the Bombers last night, Dave? Mate, I'm um, wrapped in the way they played, mate. I think your first caller hit it on the head with Franklin. But anyway, that's enough. But you took the words right out of my mouth about Cox, mate. I reckon he's going to be brilliant. <sighs> Yeah, and, and how good he can be. He reminds me so much, and, I mean, Western Bulldogs uh, fans and footy fans see the finished product that is Marcus Bontempelli now, but go back and watch the vision of him when he first came in. He was skinny and lanky, but a good mover and a good ball user, but raw. But to see Cox's willingness to play wherever he's asked, to go in the rocket stages last night... Then to bob up on a wing, the goal he kicked was was just freakish. Um, to be doing that on your non-preferred, I know it wasn't the perfect drop punt, but to even attempt that in game number four um, was just unbelievable. So I know we can make big statements and do that type of thing, but they'd want to be pretty good seven players that were picked before him in the draft last night. Bombers have 
done a great job securing him at pick number eight. Uh, Shy is in Bendigo and he wants, or she wants to continue the discussion on Nick Cox. Good morning. There you go over there. Uh, Shay. Shay, is it? G'day, Shay. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, Kane. Hey, again, thank you for recognising the Bombers' performance last night. I was, you know, totally desperate to hear Channel 7 give us something, and it was just all buddy, buddy, buddy. So, mm. um, yeah, thanks for recognising that. It was exactly what we wanted to hear this morning. So how and do you feel just... this morning as a, as a Bombers fan? Are you confident about the future? Oh, man, I signed up for my membership yesterday. Um, wasn't too sure whether I was going to do it. Live in the country, don't get to too many games, but yeah. I'll be getting to as many as I can. I just, I want to see more of Cox. Um, he's just like Ridley. Ridley gets the ball. I feel calm. I feel confident. We're going to hit a target. And last night, I just kept saying, when they were kicking me out of the goal square, kick it to Cox. Kick it to Cox. Because he's, <laughs> he just makes good things happen for us. He's, yeah. he's going to be great for us. I think and it's, um, I think, it, sorry, mate, you got one more comment? Oh, I just and getting rid of Saad to get in the draft early, like they're going. Carlton are going to have Saad for four years. They're going to have this bloke for twelve years. Can't wait. I was just about to say that, Shay. I think, um, and when we looked at the the Bombers during the trade period, you, you look at their best and fairest from last year. There's a lot of youth there. I mean, Ridley's young, Merritt is young, McGrath is young, Parrish is young. Um, so. There was some real positivity about the core that you've got. And then to see the performance last night, I think it really softens the blow of losing Fantasia and Saad and Danaher, who I was pretty supportive of the club letting go at the time. So to get those three picks inside 10 and to see that already um, is going to be really exciting for the Bombers. So if they can rebuild on the run like uh, sort of Fremantle are trying to do, like Sydney are doing, then that, that is a massive plus without completely bottoming out like we saw with Adelaide last year and what we're seeing from North Melbourne this year. Bombers fans join in one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Andrew is a Bombers man. He joins us. G'day, Andrew. Good morning. Um, look, very disappointing that we lost, but we didn't... We, you know, the second quarter, uh, Sydney um, basically turned it on and they got, that, um, got back into the game. But I'm so proud of um, Harry Jones and Archie Perkins. So they were down the first half of the game and in the second half they they actually um they lit up the place as well um and nick nick um hines yeah. what a what a what a run and um and can you please tell channel seven you know the commentary last night was uh, i know you basically wrapped them up but that was really c-grade stuff last night but um other than that we have a lot of good young players coming through Hopefully uh, we can get some uh, some of the players back who are injured back into the side, and it's going to be very hard in the selection table coming in the next couple of weeks when these players do come back in because there's only one real play which I'm a bit worried about, and that's Peter Wright. Um, mm. He got pushed around a lot last night from a, a, a real inexper- you know, like a real lightweight ruckman, and someone needs to get to him. Uh, I know why uh, Gold Coast. Um, dropped him um, because he's so inconsistent. Um, yeah, so he's the only uh, dark side to our side at the moment, um, I think. Lucky um, you got him, though, I reckon, yeah. um, Andrew, because I'm, I'm not sure who else will be rucking for you at the moment. So I mean, he's, he's doing an OK job being as competitive as he can be while Draper is out for an extended period. But yeah, I think the performance was, was really solid. I'm not sure many people, if any, would have picked Essendon last night. And 
for moments there. You thought they're going to run over the top here. So good call. Uh, let's go to Leon in Caulfield. He wants to speak about the Bombers. Uh, Leon, how good can Nick Cox be? Oh, mate, Nick Cox will be one of the best uh, ever to wear the red and black. In four games, he's just shown us a glimpse of what he can do. But I wanted to talk today about the appalling commentary that goes on on Channel 7. That game last night, from from the beginning of the broadcast to the end, was so Sydney-centric. I realise there's a emerging market there. But really, how about some love for us? I mean, and surely... You know, if you're going to describe a team as the new baby Bombers, surely it should be the Bombers. I, I just don't get it. It's well, you, ha- you had an Essendon great on the on the coverage, so Joe Watson is there. So Channel 7 would have thought, well, you know, th- there's, there's the Essendon angle covered. I, I was surprised how Sydney-focused it was and particularly how, buddy, how buddy-centric the commentary was. Um, I, you know, I was, I, they overdid that. I agree with you on that, Leon quarter, um, Hamish turned around. It, they were coming, Sydney. It was a really exciting time of the game. And he just turns to Darcy and says, well, how do you think it's going to end up at, uh, at the end of next year for Buddy? I mean, really, you know, talking about the game, not about the uh, uh, circus that surrounds it while you're watching a game. That's a question for a forum such as this but not in the middle of a game. I mean, the guy is just... Um, he's just one of the worst football commentators we have. And Luke Darcy... I think you've been harsh. I think uh, holistically, both networks do a, a very good job. And it's, I mean, it's a tough job to, to call the footy um, away from home, off a TV screen, and do what they're doing. And you get caught up in a little bit, and you know, there's certainly some storylines and stars put eyeballs on screens, and Buddy is one of those. Last night, I think if they listened back and they were honest about it, they would even admit themselves they overdid the Buddy narrative last night, as they can do with the Dustin Martin narrative. And and I think you know, broadcasters are guilty of that as well. So it's Dusty, it's Buddy, it's this and that. Well, let's let's focus on the other elements of the game, I think, is is worthwhile constructive criticism. We'll get to Andrew, Matt, Gary, David and Brian on the other side of this. Do you agree with the commentary last night? Was it too buddy-centric? And how did you feel about the Bombers' performance last night? Is Nick Cox the game's next biggest star and the biggest one to join the names walking through Windy Hill? Get involved. The captain's run. It's 20 minutes past nine. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. 25 minutes past nine o'clock. If you're with us on in Adelaide on 1629 SENSA, it's five minutes to nine. A tweet coming through from Luke. He says, Kane Corns, can we pull back on the high expectations of a fourth gamer? Yes, Cox shows promise. But gee, mate, there have been some big calls made by you this morning on the temper text, as a Swan supporter, I totally agree. Too much buddy on the call. He's a great player, but he's far from his best at the moment. The biggest storyline out of the game was Cox, Ridley and Warner showing us how great the future looks for both sides. What a great game, says Owen in Newcastle. Andrew's on the line. You want to speak about the Bombers, Andrew? Welcome. Yeah, hey, Kane. Yeah, just quickly on the commentary, maybe the... Historically, Buddy does have a day out against Essendon, so maybe they were just expecting him to turn it on mm. a little bit more or whatever. But just with Essendon, with the umpiring, whatever. But 
I think the thing that gets overlooked is Essendon's inability to keep a lead or maintain a lead or go into a quarter at the end of a quarter with a like to stop the flow against them. They just become spectators and watch the ball. They should almost get charged admission. They just can't stop a team getting a run against them. It's becoming a thing. Yeah, and and you're right. That can happen with young sides, but the stoppage dominance the Sydney had for you know periods through that game, um, you know, winning six, seven stoppages in a row and scoring from those. Luke Parker, I thought, why doesn't someone go and stand on Luke Parker every every time the ball's back in the middle? Parker seemed to be the one um, winning the centre clearance. So it's, it's a fair observation that you make, and and perhaps. You know, a lesson for Ben Rutten up against a very good coach in John Longmire and a little bit of inaction coming from the coach's box from the Bombers last night to change that momentum at times. Free kicks last night, interestingly, 29 to 16, Sydney's way at the SCG. Matt is in Caulfield. Hi, Matt. Hi, Kane. How are you? Good, mate. I was lucky enough to attend the game last night. I'm just coming to you from Sydney Airport at the moment. Um, I think the one thing that really stood out for me last night, which you may have not seen on TV, was the pressure around the ground, the way the, the whole Essendon team was, had the team defence. And I think Ruffin's perhaps saw that from Richmond, which was really good to see. Um, and secondly, I want to know what you think of a couple of decisions last night. Firstly, the France is delivered out of bounds. Are you happy with that being paid? I'm not happy with the rule, the deliberate out of And they've changed the wording to it. So. I've got a lot of sympathy for defenders in general. Not only can you not touch your opponent, basically, or you can't rest any arms around them, you can't chop an arm, you can't push. And then you one bound, or you one friend as a defender used to be the boundary line. Now you don't have that. So I just don't like the rule in general. I think it's far too harsh, Matt. And so do you think it should be last touch? Because last time it was coming farcical. I, yeah. I can't remember which Essendon player it was. It was on the wing. He was literally pushed to the boundary and just kicked it on the ground and it was paid deliberate. So either make it deliberate, either make it last touch or fix up the rule. Excellent call and spot on. So uh, they do last touch in the sandful. It works well, but that's what they're moving towards. And then it clears up all the confusion. So if you want to be as strict as what you've been now and you don't want to make it deliberate, you want to basically make it failing to keep the ball in play, then just make it last possession out of bounds. If you have a kick or a handball and it's not touched, it's a free kick, then we all understand the rule. Right now there's too much grey area in it. And firstly, I think it's too harsh. But if you're going to make it that harsh, just make it a blanket rule. Excellent call to you, Matt. Um, plenty of news around the place. We'll get the latest with Meredith Gibbs shortly. But we've got Gary, David, Brian, Brock and Shane wanting to have their say on the footy last night. And also a stack of texts coming through. Big morning coming up. We're going to speak to victorious Sydney forward Sam Reid. was terrific last night. We'll hear from North Melbourne coach David Noble. Um, Shane Harvey is looking forward to doing that and the latest with Daniel Garb who is all over the situation at the Masters where Justin Rose is leading at 7 under right now Thank you to you Meredith you can join in the conversation wherever you are this morning and have your say as Gary has done you want to speak about the footy last night Gaz? I do, Kane. First off, I haven't spoken to you since last year because, quite honestly, when there's no footy on, there's bugger all to talk about. But you're <laughs> welcome. Stru- welcome back, guys. Well, your summary at the opening of the show was actually spot on. Last night's game, I had to tape it because I was out. I got home, and I kid you not, I stayed up past midnight because it had everything. It was close, mm. tough, hard, pressure, skills. It was terrific. 
And this, Jim, third, this talk about abandoning Thursday games, I mean, who's in charge at the AFL? Why would you cancel the Thursday games? It gives us content. It does absolutely give us content, which is what we need. Now, the reason behind it was and uh, on Dwayne's World yesterday. I'm just trying to get the guy's name from the AFL who is in charge of it. Marcus King is head of broadcasting and scheduling has explained that uh, when they're looking at Thursday night, for those rounds, we're trying to take into account attendance and factors like that, which contributes to a more normal round and a structure. So when they look at Thursdays, they try and do it around school holidays where they can, where they find there's a better attendance outcome. That is the reason the AFL have given. Do you agree with it? Well, I don't. one 736 736 Good on you, Gary. Thanks for joining the show again. It's good to have you back. David's on the line. Hi, Dave. Yeah, Volcano, how are you? Good, mate. Yeah, good, good. A couple of things, just uh, the, the Buddy-centric and the, the Sydney commentary last night. I know you, you've been over it a bit, but I think it is a concerted effort from the AFL to really win over the, the Sydney crowd, you know, uh, concentrating on a superstar of the game and, um, you know, commentating mm. on, on their side of the game more so than others. And if you really wanted to strap down your tinfoil hat, you might say that the umpiring decisions are part of that too. Um, you know, fostering a bit of that um, same thing over in the WA with the Boo Factory and whatever, try to get a home crowd really involved and see if they can't sway the game, I suppose. Um, That's my first bit on that. Um, The Thursday night footy, you'd have to be mad to get rid of it. You know, it gives you an excuse to crack a beer on a Thursday night and I think it's a really great start to the weekend. Um, The NFL does a Monday night game over in the States and that does as well as anything. So you know, I, I think they'd be mad to get rid of the Thursday game. Agree with you. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Couple, there was a couple of hometown decisions last night, I reckon. A um, few deliberates, a couple of ruck infringements. The last one to Hickey that wasn't paid. Yeah, that the, the home ground factor that can at times influence umpiring decisions. That's been the case for 100 years. It will probably continue to be the case. Thank you for your thoughts, Dave. Very well put. Brian is in Chelsea Heights. Uh, the umpiring last night, Brian, 29-16. to 16, The free kicks in favour of the Swans. How'd you see it? Yeah, I came to that. Someone who's played umpired and coached the game. I'm, I'm really frustrated with the umpires at the moment. In the, in the interest of keeping the game flowing, they're not playing the obvious free kicks, Shane. They're not playing in the back, not playing over the shoulder. And they, they pick up, you know, the technical ones, but they're not playing the basic free kicks in the game, particularly in the back. And it frustrates me that they're virtually ignoring the rules to keep the game flowing. Good on you, Brian. Love your passion. I think you might have even called me Shane in there as well. So extra points for that. Speaking about content, the boys will have a bit of fun with that this morning. Are they not paying the obvious free kicks? Do you agree with Brian? Um, Me personally, I like to see less free kicks than more free kicks. So if in doubt, let it go. And that's why I reckon grand finals are the best spectacle because the umpires typically put their whistle in their back pocket and let it go. But there are others that follow the game that think we should be paying more free kicks and that will ease congestion and free things up and get the play moving a little bit quicker. Um, I don't quite see that logic. If in doubt, let the play play. Thank you to you, um, uh, Brian, let's go to another Shane on the road who also wants to speak about the umpiring. You're a Swan supporter. Shane, did you get the favour of the whistle last night? Hey, Kano. Uh, We did, but I feel sorry for Essendon because the umpiring last night was an absolute joke. Um, 
it was the thing that probably I think if they had to put their whistle away, it still would have been you know within seven ten points either way. But mm. they got harshly dealt with last night, Essendon. The umpires they paid the real technical ones and some just plain flat out stupid free kicks. And Sydney were on the on the obviously the very very bright side of that, but. Again, I haven't seen such a poor umpiring display as what I did last night. It was disgraceful, and the AFL should hang their head in shame. Strong thoughts there from Shane, and a few texts coming through on the temper text saying the same thing. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. It's one of the biggest challenges for the AFL is the depth of umpiring, and it's an issue that uh, hasn't gone away, and it's an issue that continues to be there. When you drop away from the game's best five to six umpires, you can absolutely notice the standard of umpiring drops away. So you know, I think there's probably four or five very good umpires in the game that do a good job and their accuracy is, is very high. Once it drops away from that, um, the accuracy drops off. I don't, don't think there's any doubt about that. Matt's in Mornington. Uh, what did you make of the Swans last night, Matt? Shane, how are you? <laughs> G'day, Tom. <laughs> I, um, I sort of speak about the umpiring last night, a bit like everyone else. I'm a Mad Swan supporter. Um, I'll be the first one to admit that that um, Tom Hickey decision where he took it out of the ruck and he decided to run about five metres. Personally, I thought he should have been pinned for that. Mm. But um, obviously with the new rule, there's still a bit of confusion around it all. But uh, all these Bomber supporters that are whinging and whining about the free kick count and all that, if you go back and look, majority of those decisions were actually there. If their players didn't get pinged then you'd hear all the Swan supporters whinging about that. But um, not sure if anyone's picked up on it yet, but in the last five, six minutes of the game where it was real red hot and close, there were that many um, high tackle decisions that weren't paid and called for going um, against the Swans. It was just play on where there were a few times inside our Ford 50, we had McInerney, Wicks, Buddy Even. Um, that were high. We could have got a free kick for it, but we didn't. So it, it works both ways. Either cock it on the chin and shut up or just accept it. Four and zero, Matt, with the GWS who have been smashed by injury next week. You don't not make the finals from five and zero. Are you um, believing that this team is good enough to win it all this year or not? Oh, buddy, oh. Uh, we're super exciting this year. Our effort's great. All the young kids are stepping up. Obviously, Buddy's on his way out. So it's really really good to see the, our depth, especially having James Bell come in late in the game for Heaney last night. Um, we are really exciting. So it'll be good to see a few more young guys come in. we still got the likes of Haywood, Gould, plenty of other young fellas. So I can't Stevens. wait to see what the rest of the year will come. Good on you, mate. You should be pumped up. Sydney, the biggest surprise this year. Can they win it all? Are we starting to get closer to that thought? Let us know um, your thoughts on that one. Daniel is in Pasco Vale. Nick Cox, Daniel, are you as excited as I am about his future? Absolutely, Kano. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's very impressive. And... I, just right out again, uh... oh, I got you back now. You just dropped out for a you second. Got me there? What, what makes you so excited about him? Um, oh, just these. He's uh, so smooth when he gets the ball and he covers the ground so well, as you said, like a bit of a Bonton Pally. And his composure for a young man is outstanding. And, um, you know, don't forget he hasn't played footy for, well, it was almost 18 months at round one. So it was just, it was great to see that he's just been able to step up straight straight away. 
And um, I think, um, yeah, I think that the Doro uh, got one right there and uh, no problems with uh, letting go of the other boys to get him in, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely softens the blow of those players that you've lost. And right now, the three top tenors, um, would you swap them for Saad, uh, Danaher and Fantasia, absolutely. You would not. Future is looking good at Essendon. Thank you for your thoughts, Daniel. Dwayne's on the road. Hi, Dwayne. G'day, Tano. Um, we all know about the umpiring, but I think the solution is, and we talk about it every year, they need to go full-time and they need to try and entice former players to do the job because the feel for the game rule, like you look at the one where Dyson Heppel got pinged for deliberate near the end, he turned onto his right foot facing the boundary, kicked it 40 metres under pressure, mm. and they're paid deliberate. And there's no way in the world, anyone who's played the game, know that's just a scrap kick out of the back line. But these guys who just read a rule book and don't have a feel for the game, they just they just ping him for that. So that's my um, first point. I don't know if you agree with that. No, I do. So sec- I, think, I think there could be an excellent pathway for... Could, could the average... AFL career, I don't know where it spits out now, but it's somewhere between four and six years. If you could get players that leave the game at 24, 25 years of age that would have 15 years uh, along this pathway, if you could capture the interest from players whilst they're playing and there was a pathway for them, you know, we know a lot of players study and have business interests and do some other things. If you could develop a pathway for them to becoming umpires whilst they're playing, and then they have that transition into that, particularly for the ones that, you know, as I said, leave the game as young men who aren't quite sure what they want to do. I mean, it's an excellent second income. So I think that is definitely an excellent point that you make. Uh, you, you had another comment, Thursday night footy? Yeah, I was going to say this Travis King guy who decided the Thursday night footy, I think he should change his name to Wayne King, mate, because he's that kidding himself. <laughs> Well, let, let's have a listen to Marcus King on Dwayne's World yesterday. I reckon if you ask the broadcasters, they'd say they'd, they'd answer that with a yes. Um, I think it's a balance, and, and, and clearly we do get a, a really strong broadcast outcome, and that's, you know, for a lot of the fans, I think they really love Thursdays. Um, but I think there is a balance there, and if you, if you have Thursdays every week, I think it does become an attendance challenge, and... You know, I heard heard some of your your calls talking earlier, and you know, say um, fans and members from country areas trying to get to a Thursday game can be tough. So I I think there's definitely a place for them, and and I you know I really like them, but we do need to find the right balance. There you go, the AFL's Marcus King, head of scheduling and fixturing or whatever his title is, explaining Thursday night footy and the move away from it in rounds seven and eight. Hey, we'll get to Anthony, Terry, Jamie, and Scotty. On the other side of this short breather, it's 17 minutes to 10 o'clock. Big captain's run still to come this morning. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. 12 minutes to 10. Thanks for joining us this morning on the captain's run. Big show coming up. Plenty to get through over and under. The quiz, great prize. Give away a bit of Masters chat with our man Daniel Garb, Shane Harvey, Sam Reid, North Melbourne coach David Noble and... Adelaide assistant coach Jared Schofield all coming up. But right now it's time for your calls. Anthony is on the line. You want to speak about the new man on the mark rule, Anthony? Kane, good morning. The rule that caught me out a little bit last night, and it was really important. Um, Blakey had a set shot on goal after the siren. I think it was half time there. And you can hear the umpire say either two metres or two step because of his left foot swing. Mm. And it was a terrible kick. He ended up missing the goal. 
Third quarter, Papley has a set shot on goal. Um, he's 45 out, which is right on his distance. But by the time he gets to run his right foot hook, he's kicking the ball yep. alongside the man on the mark before they call play on. They just need to clear that up, how far out these blokes can pinch or can take, can't take, before they do and don't call play on. Absolutely, they do. It's an excellent observation, one that uh, I've spoken about on Footy Classified. You know, there's a there's a bending of the rule here, and um, the umpires, as soon as that player deviates off his line, has to call play on, but it's tough for the umpires to do it because, you know, you couple of sets of eyes. You've got to be watching the guy with the ball and you've got to be watching the man on the mark to make sure he is standing, as they like to scream at us a hundred times a game, and to make sure he's not playing on. So you, you need help from the other umpires to make sure that is the case. And that's where I do have some sympathy for the umpires that their job's tough. And the AFL keeps making it harder with stupid rules like a player standing like a statue on the man on the mark it's not a good rule and i don't want to hear what i'm happy to hear that it is and i'm happy for your thoughts but no one will persuade me that that has been a good rule for the game terry is on the line the sydney swans tez are you a swans fan and what have you made of their start to the season made of my lifetime one i live in vanilla and but i'm a sydney member don't get the games much but um Oh, I'm loving them. And I rang in earlier when you said, hey, who are the big improvers of the year? I was the one that said, and you asked me, um, or who's, who's going to kick your goals? Mm. And it's been a really changing thing because... has. You, you had the question, but I think we've got multiples now, and I'm really, oh, couldn't be more wrapped. You do have multiples. Uh, Logan McDonald quite last night. Uh, Franklin, obviously. Papley playing a more unselfish brand of game, I reckon, um, this year. But then just the young players and midfielders kicking goals as well. Warner's having shots on goal. Goulden's having shots. Wicks. So, Tez, I I wasn't aware that these young players would be this good um, and you should be excited. It's been it's been so good to watch. Hopefully they can continue it happening and what a coach John Longmire is proving to be. Jamie's in Coburg. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Kano. How are you, mate? Good. Uh... I'm not going to call you Shano, but uh, I've liked the start of your call. I love the, I love the uh, the summary at the start of the uh, start of this. Although I didn't like your audio or the singers, I thought that you thought you failed there. But I just yeah. wanted to. Um, <laughs> sorry, mate. I didn't want to bring it up, but I did. I, I'm just, I'm just like the whole this whole thing of umpiring and commentary around it and all that sort of stuff. It is a difficult game to umpire. I thought of thinking about it last night about one o'clock in the morning. I realised that Essendon probably should have lost the game anyways. I'm a very passionate Essendon fan. And by geez, I mean, we've got a good good, good year ahead. And But I was a caller earlier that sort of said cop it on the chin. I'm just not sure if the Sydney supporters know that they left their rule book in South Melbourne and the move all those years back. But it's a bit, it's a bit, like, it's a bit comical because we've had, you know, last year we had Callan Ward, you know, up there. It's a Sydney thing again. I know it's GWS, but bit of a Hollywood act with a car crash incident at the end. We had Dane Rampey climbing the post and we had these, you know, these blatant free kicks that just don't get paid our way with Tom Hickey, you know, taking it out of the ruck twice, multiple times, the caller said earlier as well. So, you know, that, that, that's what I wanted to talk about. It's just not that, it's not these indiscrepancy free kicks that are sort of really, you know, 50-50 that I'm worried about. It's the real blatant ones there that, you know, that are really hurting me. Um, you know, McKernan, uh, what's the McInerney cop one in the, uh, cop tie in the, in the last quarter there. And mm. the caller said, oh, I didn't, they weren't going their way. And he's, that, that resulted in a goal and we ended up losing by three points. So good on you, mate. Appreciate your summary of the game last night. Scotty wants to continue that. The umpiring Scotty, how'd you see it? 
I'm, I'm going to a different way here. I'm thinking with the umpire that should have the same three or same, no, like an emergency umpire as well, for every yeah. game of the year so they learn each other. Like, yeah. you know, like, um, in every game, every game, one experienced umpire should be with that lot. Like, for instance, that Matthew Nichols. He should be with two of the younger guys. You know, like, have them the same three every single game for the year. It's been spoken about before, hasn't it? It comes up from time to time. I see the logic behind it. I haven't heard the AFL explain, even if it was for you know a group of six games in a row. Um, um, so, yeah, it's a good question to put to the AFL next time we have someone from that department on. We'll get to Reese and Brock and Will in Ballarat who want to have their say this morning. Right now it's seven minutes to 10 o'clock. You're on the captain's run on your home of sport, SEN. Three minutes past 10 o'clock, Justin Rose is the four-shot leader of after the first round at Augusta National in the Masters. He is seven under, ahead of a couple of players on, on three under, including Brian Harmon. We'll get the latest with that, with Daniel Garber, who's all over it and how the Aussies are tracking a little bit later on. We'll also hear from Shane Harvey, brother of Boomer, who's about to set an amazing record in some amateur footy. Looking forward to that. David Noble, the North Melbourne coach, Jared Schofield, Senior Assistant at Port Adelaide ahead of tonight's Blockbuster at Adelaide Oval. The quiz and over and under. But what a game it was of footy last night. Let's get to our next guest. He blasted over Franklin's head to the top of the square. Reed, Great grab by Reed. Mark of the night. Hands like a vice. It was nearly over his head. And he's in really good form. The second highest ranked player on the ground last night was our next guest, Sam Reedy joins us. Sam, thanks for your time, mate. Congratulations on your form and your performance as a team last night. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it was a uh, ripping win. Good to find a way. Well, it was. You were were challenged, I guess, you know, perhaps for one of the only few times this year, such as the footy that you've been playing, but you're able to swing that momentum back. And I thought your your skipper or one of your skippers, Luke Parker, was enormous last night. Absolutely. I mean, as I said, it was uh, a bit of an arm wrestle, and um, you know, we've, we've been we felt we controlled games really well the last few weeks. And uh, last night, there was some momentum swings, and um, they were able to get out to I think 25 points at one stage. But we we're able to stay composed, and our leaders, um, guys like as you said, Parksy, uh, Cal Mills, Josh Kennedy, those guys are always super consistent in what they do, and um, you know, got us back into that game. Felt like you sort of won a different way. I mean, last week it was really it was pretty. It was easy on the eye. It was good to watch. You know, short kicking, uh, accurate kicking. It wasn't the case last night because of the, the due factor up there at the SCG and the pressure that Essendon bought. Was that another pleasing aspect to do it a bit of a hard nosed way? Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, as I said, like the last few weeks, we felt like we've, we've really been in control. Um, last night, their pressure was um, through the roof. I mean, I think that last quarter they laid. You know, just about record tackles. So the, 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 we're able to absorb a bit of that, and um, you know, to, to, as I said, just find a way. Sometimes you need to um, find a way and make winning a habit, and uh, it's really good for for us as a team to do that, and for the young guys to see. Uh, you know, it's not always pretty, uh, it's not always easy, but to grind out those wins, um, and you know, have still have plenty to improve on is is really positive. Yeah, they laid 78 tackles last night. You're right, which would be up there this year. The clearance. Domination last, so you win clearance by twenty three. I guess the input that Tom Hickey is having in that is having him conversation about the best recruit of the year, fourth club, fourth different state. Uh, how, what sort of impact has he made around the footy club? 
Oh, well, I mean, as you can imagine, he, he knows footy clubs, so um, he's he's come in with a lot of knowledge, and I mean, he's rucked with some of the obviously one of the best ruckmen um, that we've seen in, in Nick Nat. He's been behind him, so um, I mean, he's been playing a really, really strong role for us and, and playing really good footy. But um, I think the way he's fitting around the club has been um, super, and uh, you know, he's, he's getting along really well with the boys, and, and we're loving having him so far. Is it tough to fit into the Sydney lifestyle? Or you, you've been there 11 years now. Like Amazing that it's your 11th year on the list. For someone to come in and, and live in Sydney and I guess the different nature of the city, how hard is it for players to come in and, and fit in straight away like he appears to have done? Um, I think we're, we're in this sort of unique situation where a lot of guys that come to this club are um, not generally... I mean, there's a few more than when I started. When I started, there was only you know, one or two guys that were actually from Sydney, but... Uh, in saying that, there's you know we, everyone's sort of um, I don't want to say forced, but they're you know they're made to to sort of build relationships with each other because they don't mm. know too many people outside of football. So um, Hicks no no different. He's come in. He's he's actually got a young son that's about two weeks younger than mine. So uh, it's been really good for uh, my wife and and his wife. And you know there's there's a connection there already, which is which is great. But um, you know, I think he's um, he's done really well at coming in and fitting in. Yeah, he's made a huge impact. What about yourself? You're everywhere last night. I was trying to work out where you're playing. You know, 15 disposals, marking everything, a couple of goals. What What is the instruction and uh, of where you're playing? You seem to be everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm playing predominantly forward and um, pinch hitting in the ruck when I can um, when Hick has a break. So uh, most of my game's been been up forward, and um, you know those roles changed given the um, flexibility that we have with our. Um, our balance at the moment with you know Logan coming through as, as another tall and having Bud back out there last night. Uh, but even when Hayden McLean's been out there, it's, it's been able to add a bit of flexibility and can play up a bit higher or, or a bit deeper if need be. And then went to the ruck trying to um, support the guys in defence and then trying to sneak forward and, and be an option attackingly. It's working. Uh, the biggest challenge you've faced is, is with your body throughout the whole of your career and um, you, you seem to be in a really good spot there ne- nearing 30 years of age are you, are you doing anything differently and how are you coping with the increased demands um, that the rules see us playing under in 2021 yeah it's a bit of a um, I mean it's a bit bit more than um, last year with the, the shorter quarters and uh, certainly noticed that in the first couple of couple of games where quarters were running for uh, 30 minutes plus as opposed to you know 22 23 minutes last year so uh, it'll take a little bit to get used to, but um, I've just had to be a little bit, um, you know, put a little bit more time into my body uh, outside of the footy club and try and maximise the recovery where I can and 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 manage my training loads um, to the to the right level. And we've got a, a pretty new um, new look around the club. We've got we've had a big turnover of coaching staff, but mm. also of our, of our physio team and, and fitness staff. Robin is coming from um, Richmond, so those guys have been really good and um, they've. They've, they've trusted me a bit and, um, you know, they've brought their own things and new things that they think is best for my body and so far it's worked. So we'll keep going on that track. Inform Swans forward Sam Reid joining us on the back of their three-point victory over Essendon last night. The point you make there, I spoke to Tom Harley on Monday and he said about your coaching group, he said what you had to do or the club did was focus on quality over quantity in the coaching department you've only got five assistant coaches so Cox McVeigh Don Pike comes in Ben Matthews and Jeremy Laidler has it been a big shift with the lack of resources but also a credit to the quality that you've still got yeah I mean as, as you said all those guys in our coaching staff are, are really quality coaches and people but um yeah the, the onus falls a little bit uh, more on the players to um you know to, to review and preview their games 
probably a bit more thoroughly than they've had to in the past just because there isn't um they haven't got coaches don't have the time as as they may once have um so i think everyone's found a really good um balance so far of being able to sort of take it upon themselves and still get their time with their coach in but but understanding that uh, you know that they may not have quite as much as they they once did so everyone's um you know, made a good focus of, of going through their own stuff. Can you take me back to the time where you, you first saw these young players uh, turn up at training? Um, often you can tell within about half an hour of the first training session whether these players are going to be good or not. Was that the case for Warner and Wicks and Gordon and Campbell and McDonald with you? Oh, some. I mean, I can I can better that than half an hour. I think three years ago yeah. uh, we had um, Brandon. Uh, sorry, um, BJ Braden. Um, Braden. He. Hey, Brad, sorry, <laughs> I call him Page. Someone's forgetting his name. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, he, he came in. He, he came with this as a as a sixteen year old, and even then, um, wow. you know, he was he, some of the kids you see him pull off. Um, you know that he's that he's uh, that he's hit during this year. He was doing that at sixteen years old. So I think at that stage, we were saying, you know, we just probably ready to play now. So he was one we saw years ago. Yeah. Um, and the others, I mean, Chatty, he's just he's a bull. He's he reminds me a lot of um, Parks even. He's a, bit, he's a bit younger. He's, he's just a very explosive, um, very aggressive player that uh, he thrives off the contest and he's so competitive. And, and Logan's the same. I think his first session out there, I noticed how competitive he was and how much he just hated losing. And Errol is just, um, he's one of the classier first years and most um, composed players I've seen um, come in and, and have an immediate impact. He's just, he's got a great footy brain and uh, I love the ball in his hands. Pressure for spots will start to increase as well. I mean, will Haywood, is he just not being selected at the moment? Because I've, I've liked what I've seen for his four or five years at the club. But where's he at? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be. And I mean, the reality is there's only um, 22 spots. But the, the the good thing is having a, a bit of that um, you know depth of list. We've got guys that um, could quite easily be playing that, that are being left out. So it's, it's a good position for the... For the club to be in, and, and no doubt those guys will, um, you know, for whatever reason, will probably be used at some stage during the year. So that, that they continue to, to put in strong training sessions and, and games once they start up. They're, they're playing this afternoon, um, but you know they're they're um, putting their right foot forward, and I've no doubt that um, you know once they are called upon, which which is probably going to happen, um, they'll be ready. Mm. Uh, just an update on Isaac Heaney is there any more to tell us the coach said three to four weeks with a broken hand after the game just so disappointing for a player who can't a bit like yourself early days take a trick but has been in just scintillating form really yeah shattering um, I mean I, I don't know any more information about mm. um, you know, where he's at but yeah it's uh, disappointing for Isaac he's, he's been in really good form this year and um, I think he should have been selected for one of the goals of the week last week. That left foot mm. snap from 45 out was pretty impressive. But um, no, he's uh, he's a very positive person, so he'll um, he'll put his brave face on, and and you know hopefully there's only those sort of months out of footy, and he can come back and um, you know be a strong uh, contributor once again. Um, it, footballers don't often sort of sit around discussing whether you can win the flag or not at this stage of the year. But how much belief do you now have, and and has the form surprised you? I don't know. Um, oh, I mean, yeah, we obviously don't look that far ahead. Um, it's, it's four games at the end of the day. It's it's still very early in the season. Um, you know, the other year we were zero and six, and we and we, um, you know, everyone rid us off, and we came back to make the final. So you never know what can happen. You can't look too far ahead. You just need to. Um, it's very boring and it's very cliche, but you need to just just look at this week and then look at next week. 
get the work done and then um, and move on to the next. So we'll continue to do that. Take us through what's going through your mind when Lance Franklin is running at full speed, looks to be taking an easy chest mark, and you just float across, Sam, and get in his way and spill <laughs> spill the ball. Did, did you cop a spray from the superstar? Uh, I copped the spray from my mates, actually. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, not, not from Bud. I, um, I actually thought the ball was for me, and then I heard it very late say mine. So I maintain that that put me off. But uh, <laughs> no, he's good, Bud. He, um, I don't think he has an issue with anyone sort of... Uh, going for the ball if they think they can put their name on it. I just um, need to hold the mark. Mm. Yeah, that would be that would be handy, mate. But uh, that's about the only mistake you made last night. Congratulations on your form. Uh, good luck next weekend against the Giants in that rivalry, and, and hopefully you can continue this form going. Appreciate your time. Okay, thanks, mate. Sam Reid from the victorious Sydney Swans um, side last night. Um, he's, geez, he's in good form. As I said, second highest ranked player on the ground last night, and doing it all so let's just hope his body stays in one piece because he's going to be a big weapon for the sydney swans one 736 736 we can uh, get you to have your say on that the lines are available right now plenty we can get to uh, i think brock and will want to have their say we'll do so on the other side of this you listen to the captain's run on sen and the number is one 736 Brock's on the road. You want to talk about the St Kilda Footy Club and perhaps their struggles, Brock? Welcome. Yeah, look, Kane, I I didn't want to call you and eat me words, but I was wondering to. if I was going to hear from you because just for those tuning in, you did ring up in the preseason and mention the best midfield uh, in the competition that the Saints have got. And other areas, are you devastated of how it's played yeah, out, Brock? Look, I was happy, and I rang after the GWS game, and I'll tell you what, it was a joke. We're beating a t- They're going to be a bottom four side, and I reckon that's going to be the only win we get for the next six weeks. We play Richmond, we play West Coast on the weekend, we play Port in Port, and then we play Geelong a couple of weeks after. We've got Hawthorne in there. We probably won't even bloody beat them. Mate, I'll tell you what it is. It's bloody mental weakness. We haven't got a single leader out on the ground. And it's just a joke. They get our hopes up every bloody year. And what they've done, they've embarrassed me. But worst of all, they've embarrassed themselves and they've embarrassed the club. Strong words. I've had words. a gutful of it, Kane. I've had a strong, gutful of it. Strong words, mate. I was wondering whether we'd hear from you this morning. Thank you for fronting up because you, you made some big calls about the Saints. A few of us laughed at you in early days. But, yeah, it's a, oh, it's a, it's a massive game, isn't it, this weekend? They've spoken tough during the week. Jack Steele has said that the players... They've put it all on the line, and can they pull something off on Saturday? I'm going to be at that game. Looking forward to doing that. Uh, one more before we get to a pretty important next guest. Let's go to Ballarat and speak to Will. You want to chat about the footy last night, Will? Hey, Kane. Yeah. Um, look, long-time Bombers member, um, and I feel the pain with the umpiring, but um, if you look at the clearances, 47 to 23, we were pretty well smashed in, in that department, and... Um, you know, there was a lot to like about Bombers' effort last night. Hind was unbelievable. Um, I, I think I think we're looking good. We just need to keep it in, in mind that, the, you know, clearances, we, we were pretty well smashed last night. Um, and, and it's also the eighth time since 2014 that we've played Sydney in Sydney, which is kind of ridiculous. But anyway... Good rivalry, though. I reckon some good close rivalry, and Channel 7 did a good piece on that last night, but you were smashed at clearances. Thanks for your thoughts, Will. Well, I'm a bit flat that I wasn't aware of this story until I read a piece in the Herald Sun. Um, may have been yesterday. I sent it to my producer, Ben. I said, we've got to get this guy on because it is an amazing achievement. Shane Harvey 
is going for a thousand goals. He needs ten more to reach that magical milestone. He plays for North Heidelberg. And he's in action tomorrow in the Northern Footy League. He's been good enough to have a chat to us prior to the event taking place. Shane, thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate it. No dramas at all, Kane. Your record, honestly, it's extraordinary. And we should speak about it more. In 201 appearances for the Bulldogs, you've averaged almost five goals a game. And it was a great piece in the Herald Sun, speaking to a couple of your opponents. They chatted to your brother, some teammates and... What you've been able to do is nothing short of amazing. How do you feel about it? And how do you feel about heading in and potentially kicking 10 and getting to that milestone tomorrow? Uh, it's definitely something I'm proud about, but definitely 10's not on my mind tomorrow. No. Um, I'm not sure how I'll go about that, but maybe in a couple of weeks we'll hopefully get there. But, um, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I didn't really think about it until sort of the last couple of weeks when it's, Sort of a couple of people told me about it, but yeah, it's going to be hopefully exciting when it happens. How do you like? Is it a moment to, as you say, not now? It's you know unrealistic to think that you, you can kick ten against a good opponent. But do you get a moment to sit back and look at your achievements and think, wow, this has been a, a pretty good ride? Um, I think maybe when I finish my career, I'll probably look back at it all. But I'm still, I'm still keen as ever to, yeah, hopefully win a flag and. Yeah. And kick more goals and and stuff. So it's yeah, not at the not at the forefront of my mind at the minute. That's for sure. So your ability to put bums on seats, I guess, and um, get people out to the levels that you've been playing at. Reading through it, your your real trick is just your flair and your your uncanniness around goals and your freakish ability to do that. And your brother's quoted saying that you've always done that. And what, what, how do you make of the, the modern footballer and the skill level of the game and, and what makes it um, so important for you and, and your success? Uh, yeah, well, I just I, I grew up sort of yeah, kicking goals, snaps from the boundary. Um, they'll always they'll always the fun thing to do at training and stuff. And I thought, yeah, I just always have been doing it. So it's, yeah, I, I really enjoy like obviously trying my best to put on a show for all the young kids that come and watch our local footy and, and getting into it. But it's um it's definitely lots of fun when you when you're kicking goals and everyone's happy, that's for sure. And to do it at at your size, like hundred and seventy six centimetres, you know, if if you had to have said someone's gonna kick a thousand, you would think a big, powerful key forward like you see uh, at this level, but you've you've done it a different way. Yeah, so I've, I suppose I've got a few out the back. I won't lie, but it's um, <laughs> all right. It's yeah. No, I, I'm I sort of haven't really played with a key forward over the years. So it's probably most of the years it's sort of been me or bust. So it's a lot of the boys look after me and and kick to me a fair time, fair proportion of the time. So it definitely makes life easier. Two premierships, uh, joining your old man as well as a two-time premiership player at the club. Has, has that been the highlight so far? And, and what sort of side do you have this year? Uh, yeah, we we haven't got a bad side. I mean, the two flags have definitely have been a highlight. Um, like we won one; they've both been in Division Two. So love love to win one in Div One. That's the ultimate goal. It has been since the start. Um, and yeah, this year I think it's a bit of a mystery with missing last year during COVID. A lot of a lot of the teams have gone young. So I think we just have to sort of see see where everyone's at and. I think we'll be we'll be okay. We've got a lot of 
small players, so we move the ball fast with this new rule of the standing on the mark. Hopefully it suits us. A few texts coming through. We're interactive here, Shane. Uh, 04339 out 1116. Dylan says, I played against Shane countless times. I've seen him do some things that defy logic, gravity, and are beyond belief. Um, do you, and yet, a couple of your opponents are quoted in this article, and they say they sort of enjoy playing on you. You seem, you seem to enjoy that um, competitiveness, but also get involved with the crowd, and you cop it, but you give it back. Is there that fiery nature that we saw your brother have as well? Uh, no, I'm a lot more relaxed than my brother on the field. He's, he's <laughs> really absolute animal. But I, I just enjoy yeah, play hard on the field and enjoy beer after it with him. So it's... Um, that's what local footy is about, and it has been has been from the start for me, and that's why I love it so much. So the talent's undeniable. Drafted to Essendon at the end of 2001, a couple of years at the Bombers, and then you moved on to the Kangaroos, 14 games for 13 goals at AFL level. What, what Would you have done anything differently? Because clearly the talent you've got, and you would have been good enough to have a long and distinguished career at AFL level. Have you, did you work out why it didn't sort of plan out for you at the next step? Um, yeah, I'd... Definitely, definitely didn't work hard enough as a young bloke coming in. Um, I was in the era where I'd sort of go out and play and go out and drink of the night and, and whatnot and not really recover as 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 I should have. And yeah, just obviously high draft pick. I thought it was all going to happen, and I didn't. I wish I'd have got drafted maybe four or five years later, and mm. I think things would have been different. But uh, is what it is now, and yeah. So is that like is it clearly a, a regret of yours? Like does it does it keep you up at night, or is this one of those things where you, you know you you live and you learn and, and you move on? Oh no, it's definitely a massive regret. I, uh, the opportunity was yeah, sitting there waiting to have a decent career, and definitely not a career like my brother's. I don't think that was unbelievable, mm. but mm. just just yeah, I could have been could have been AFL, made a life out of it, but. Um, yeah, it's definitely a massive regret of mine, that's for sure. Do you think if it was now, we see a lot of players get you know second opportunities or come to the game a little bit later on, we've got the mid-season draft and opportunities like that, um, and you can, you know, also the supplementary period during the pre-season where guys can get a lifeline. Do you think, you know, if you were uh, back when you were 25, 26 and it hadn't worked the first time, you would have got a second opportunity if, in today's footy? Um, possibly, yeah, I when I when I was 25, my first year at North Link, that was nearly my me, me best season I've ever played. I kicked 117 goals in the season, mm. predominantly sort of from the midfield and kicked nine in a comp game uh, during the season against Essendon District. So that was, I'm sure, yeah, if we had all that now, I might have got the opportunity. But um, that was, yeah, 20, 25, 26 is when I was at me, probably my best yeah. football, that's for sure. Well, mate, honestly, it's a it's an amazing achievement, uh, and the impact that you've had on the footy club is clearly massive. Like people quoting, you're you're sort of the glue that's kept the club together. Um, congratulations on being a great ambassador for the sport. Good luck, and we might have to check in with you when whenever it is that you reach this amazing milestone. Appreciate your honesty and your time this morning. No, Jonas Kane, thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate it. Shane Harvey is looking to become the first player in the Diamond Valley Northern Footy League to reach the hundred, sorry, the thousand goal barrier. Thousand goals. He's going at uh, just over five per game. He needs ten more to reach that. Hopefully, it happens tomorrow. If it doesn't, it'll happen very, very shortly. Um, and by all 
sounds on the text machine. He's an absolute freak. Let's catch up with the 10.30 News headlines with Meredith Gibbs. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, it's 22 minutes to 11 o'clock. One of the world's biggest sporting events is happening now. The Masters, or Augusta, Augusta National, I should say, round one has been completed. So it is for the Titleist Pro V1 and Pro V1X, the number one ball at the Masters. Our man Daniel Garby's all over it. Garby, thanks for your time. No worries, Kane. It's Masters time, mate. Get excited. Oh, it's going to get busy. How have you seen the first day's play and what are some of the biggest storylines to come out of it so far? Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, just the, the greens are so treacherous. It's incredible mm. to watch the best players in the world try and putt on pool tables and glass, basically. <laughs> I mean, it's just so quick and so hard to stop the ball. It's so firm and fast. But that is what the pros say is the greatest test and the true Augusta test, if you like. But Justin Rose was the man who was able to deal with it better than anyone and by a long way. An incredible round of minus seven, 65 for him. He's got a four-shot lead over Brian Harmon and Hideki Matsuyama. So he is off to a flyer, and he's put himself in a very strong position. He's come twice. They came second twice in the Masters, Justin Rose. He's got five top 10 finishes. He, of course, won the US Open in 2013, but there hasn't been able to snare that green jacket. A long way to go, especially on this treacherous course, but uh, he's in a very strong position right now. You need all the experience and now that someone like Justin Rhodes has been able to gather to uh, to win this green jacket, you would think, considering the way the course is playing. And, uh, yeah, he's in pole position at the moment. So, Garby, you mentioned Dustin Johnson there. He won it last year with a score of uh, 20 under. Has there been a conscious effort from those that uh, run the event to make it more difficult? It, it seems to be the case with the greens that you've alluded to. A little bit, yeah. I mean, look, nature has played its part. They played the last Masters in November because of the delay due to COVID. Mm. It was just in a a cooler climate, which meant the greens were a lot softer. There was some rain around, so it was far easier for them to, to stop the ball, basically. It played very different to how it usually does in April, but there's no doubt they've got the greens playing a little bit quicker. The players said that on Monday and Tuesday, they were as quick as they'd ever seen them for that part of the week. And, uh, yeah, it's really tricky as a result. And, and that's what the players say is the true Masters tournament when you've got the Greens playing like this. So Justin Rose has dealt with it best so far. Dustin Johnson, you mentioned the reigning champion, a round of two over. Two over sounds like he's a long way off. He's not. Rose has a big lead. If you're sitting around two over or better, you can have one good round in the second or third and be in contention. It, it can change that quickly. So he's going okay, but not the, uh, the perfect round that the reigning champ would have wanted. He's uh, you're not quite at his best like he was in November when he blitzed the field. Hey, um, what about the Aussies? I think there's five of them in action. How'd they go? Mark Leishman at even, so a good round for him. Mm. He'll be happy with that. He's the best of the Australians and uh, and not too far off. Then we've got a group of three at two over. Cameron Smith, who was our best hope, who came second in November, of course, with four rounds in the 60s, the first person to ever do that in Masters history. Had an eagle on 15 to get himself going. So he finished at two over. He's around the mark, but not quite where he'd want to be. The same for Adam Scott, who's at two over as well. And Matt Jones playing in his first Masters in seven years. He was the first out from the Aussies. He also finished at two over. So he'll be reasonably happy with that. All of them within striking distance if they can get it going tomorrow. The disappointing Australian result, though, Jason Day, five over a 77. He was furious 
afterwards at how he played. Very mm. frustrated, and uh, he looks as though it's going to be a struggle for him to, uh, to make the cut. So Jason Day, the worst of the Aussies. Mark Leishman, the best, but even if he can get it going again tomorrow, the leash could be uh, in with a shout. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed for that. Hey, Bryson DeChambeau went viral with his practice round during the week (laughs) or practice fairways that he was on with that unique swing. Um, He struggled as well a little bit? Yeah, he has. I mean, there's been so much talk and hype and fascination around Bryson DeChambeau for for so long, and especially when it comes to the Masters, because they're so fearful that if he blitzes the field with his long hitting game at the moment. They're going to have to make more changes to the course. But he struggled in November. He finished, I think, a tie for 34th and didn't quite get it going today either. Plus four for him, for Bryson DeChambeau. And uh, yeah, he's just not quite coming to terms with Augusta at the moment. He's a little bit too scientific with his approach, I think, and, and just can't quite get it going. So he's a fair way off. Look, if he has a great round tomorrow, he can get back... Uh, into some sort of contention, but it's four over for him at the moment. Uh, yeah, there's a, n- a number of good players who are way ahead of him, like Patrick Reed, who's mm. a recent winner, of course. He's at two under. He had a great round. Jordan Spieth looked really good. He was in the trees and found some trouble halfway through his round, but then he got hot, chipped in for Eagle late. He's at one under, and they're not too far away. Justin Thomas is at one over as well. He's looking solid. So a number of the big guns there waiting to strike if, if Justin Rose does slip up. And a hole in one. Today, hole 16, Tommy Fleetwood. I can't imagine that happens very often. Yeah, 16, it depends on the pin. So they put the pin in that dangerous sucker position down left, which uh, comes off the uh, the hill a bit. And uh, that does lead to a number of hole-in-one chances. When the greens are this hard, though, it's a little bit trickier. But, uh, yeah, in November, there wasn't a hole-in-one at all throughout the four right. days. But Tommy Fleetwood managed to, to nail one today in that dangerous pin, which we'll probably see on on Sunday as well, but uh, there won't be too many holding ones if the greens stay this firm, that's for sure. Hey, mate, and you at the footy last night. Your swans are flying. <laughs> Not my swans. I'm an Eagles man, Kane. Oh, you're an Eagles know, man. But, uh, I'm an Eagles man, but, uh, yeah, it was a great night out. I mean, it was just a pulsating, seesawing clash, and it was lucky enough to be there. And, uh, yeah, from just before half time, I mean, I think the margin extended beyond 10 points. And the roar at the SCG when Buddy took that mark and... Uh, and put it through. It was like the great Swans days of old. It was a fantastic atmosphere there. So, yeah, great contest. But Essendon didn't lose any fans off the back of that one either. They were they were very positive, obviously, in the way in which they played. So, great night at the footy. Well, your Eagles are flying as well, mate. Hey, that was an outstanding <laughs> update. Um, strap yourself in. No sleep for the next three days, I'm assuming. Sleep when we're dead, mate. No, it's, it's, a fantastic, it's a fantastic time of the year. you just got to get through it. And uh, there was also a, a very big moment this morning, Kane, which I thought I'd mention. Now, the Masters, you know, we do revel in all its glory and history and all of that, but it's got some you know, parts to it that uh, leave a lot to be desired, of course. They didn't allow black members for a long period of time, didn't allow black people to play in the Masters. There's also been discrimination against women. Uh, Before play today, Lee Elder, who was the first black player to be allowed to play in the event in the 70s, was named an honorary starter. And uh, the round of applause he got with uh, Jack Nicholas and Gary Player alongside him was pretty emotional. Bubba Watson Mm. was actually tearing up by the green, watching it in his green jacket, a former winner, of course. So that was nice to see Augusta belatedly um, trying to write you know, many of the wrongs that they've incurred in the past. That was a, a nice moment this morning. Absolutely, mate. Well said, and, and thank you for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kane. Daniel Garb with our Masters update. Titleist Pro V1 and Pro V1X, the number one ball at the Masters and the number one ball in golf. I think Garby goes all right on the course as well.
think he may have got himself an eagle the other day as well, his first ever eagle. So he hits them all right. I, I still think and firmly believe it is the most skillful and most difficult sport in the world, golf. And if these absolute pros and professionals are four over after one round of golf, what hope, and I know the course is more difficult than the ones we would play on, but what hope do the rest of us have to have any success at this sport? It is unbelievable. All credit to them. Strap yourself in for a big three days. You are with the captain's run on SEN with Kane Corns. You can get involved on 0433981116. That's for temper a mattress like no other. Been a tough start for the North Melbourne coach, David Noble. We'll have a chat to him after 11 o'clock and heaps of time for your calls as well if you want to get involved. You may play over and under on the other side of this, so stick around for that. It's time to play overs and unders with Kane Corns for temper, a mattress like no other. Well, it's taken the Australian radio um, situation by storm, this over and under. It's the most popular segment on Australian radio because we've gone to places that uh, not a lot of other people would go to in terms of our accuracy. Um, this is, was the case last week with over and under. Let's have a listen to some of my best work. All-Australian wingman Andrew Gaff has started the season slowly. He will bounce back with 30 disposals against Port tomorrow. Over, Over. or under? Over for that one. Andrew Gaff's going to have a field day. Good player, ball magnet. Um, good players out of form usually respond. Playing at home, pencil Andrew Gaff in for 36 disposals against my Port Adelaide on Saturday night. And if you are... 36 disposals on the money. 36 exactly. Should have had a dollar or two on that one. It didn't stop there, though. The last player to kick 10 goals in a game was Jack Revolt in 2018. One player will kick 10 or more goals in a game this year, over or under. Got that feeling it's going to be over, don't you? You've already had bags, Texas kicking bags, even George Yardis from Port Adelaide's kicking four. There's going to be a couple of players that get on an absolute roll. So three players to kick 10 or more goals this season, and wouldn't that be nice? Next day, Josh Bruce bags himself 10. So I was going all right last week, and then we had one on the crowds as well, which I, which I think I nailed, I'm pretty sure. North Melbourne drew only 13,000 fans for its round one game against Port Adelaide. There'll be 25,000 for the Bulldogs game today, over or under. The AFL's Travis Ald said break even would be 35,000. I don't reckon we'll get there. Will we get to 25? I hope so. I'm going to go over and pencil in 27,000 fans there at Marvel today. Would be a a pretty good result. Pretty close. I think it was 28. So the over and under is just nailing everything. Let's have a crack at today with question number one. He's got to go back towards Walker. It goes in that direction. Texi sets himself, takes the mark. Put it through, and the Crows are back in front by three points. Right, this is for the Volcano. I'll put the invoice in at the end of the day. 2021 Coleman medal leader Taylor Walker averages just 2.2 goals per game against North Melbourne. Pencil him in for six against North on Sunday. Over or under, Volcano? Just the big guns just popping by for an over and under. That's the impact that we're having. Thank you to you, Gary. I wasn't aware that you'd voice this for me. Um, Yeah, I think Tex is good for four against North Melbourne. So his career average is low against North, but we'll back him in for four goals on Sunday against North. What's number two, Gaz? 
Yeah, it's obviously it hasn't been the, the start I wanted to. And, um, you know, I'll probably just got to get back to, you know, just getting back to that work rate that I have and getting back up and up and down the ground, working hard both ways. Volcano, the under-fire St Kilda wingman Brad Hill averages just 17 disposals in 2021. He'll collect 20 touches against West Coast on Saturday, over or under? Well, he'd want to get over. He's under the pump. Will he hold his spot in the side firstly? We'll find that out today. I think they will. You're not going to pay him 900 for six years and then put him back and not play him. So 20 is is absolute benchmark for Brad Hill. I'm going to, I'm going to go 23. I think he bounces back, but... A lot of room for improvement with Brad Hill at the Saints. Number three. Gives it to Charlie Cameron. It's his turn. Put a step on. Opened up the goal front and pumped it through. Charlie Cameron intervenes. Uh, Brisbane's Charlie Cameron has just got four goals from the first three games this year. But he'll kick two and a half against the Dogs tomorrow. Over or under Volcano? Yeah, I think he's due for a bag, Charlie Cameron. So I reckon he goes... With four goals, I'm going to say. Charlie Cameron. Wouldn't it be good to see one of the most watchable players in the game? Four goals for Brisbane's Charlie Cameron. Number four. Martin's got it. He scored. He shoots. It's the stuff of legend. Don't tell me. Justin Martin confirms his status at the top of the game. Amazingly, your Port Adelaide are going to let Dustin Martin run without an opponent tonight at Adelaide Oval. Or will they? You'll make him pay 25 touches and three goals, over or under. And what uh, would it be if you tagged him, Kate? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Sure. I think he might bully me and push me around a little bit. I So Ken Hinckley said we're going to back our system in. It gives me shudders. It gives me nightmares. And if you do that, he'll make you pay. So I couldn't back against him. I'm going to go over 27 and three goals for Dustin Martin tonight. Um, we'll wait and see. And finally, Gaz. He's kicked 10 goals as the Bulldogs have embarrassed North Melbourne. They've kicked 25-17, 167 to 5-9-39. Six games were decided by 30 points or more in round three. It'll be over or under that mark in round four. Well, I hope under. So I hope under. Love last night's game as we've spoken about. So I'm going to go um, under, definitely under six. I think we'll go with... Only three games decided by 30 points or more, and hopefully we have a more even contest. So looking through the fixture about what games they may be, where's the potential for a blowout? I don't think it's tonight. I don't think it's tomorrow in Ballarat. You could potentially think the Eagles could blow away the Saints, but I don't think they'll do that at Marvel. So I reckon that will be a close one, as will Gold Coast and Carlton. Maybe Collingwood blow away the Giants at the MCG on Saturday night. That has 40 points written all over it. Crows probably beat North Melbourne by more than 30. Melbourne and Geelong will be a good game, and Freo and Hawthorne will be a good game. So great round of footy coming up in round four. How'd we go? Well, I don't even need to ask how we went, because we're flying. Over and under, is absolutely flying, and I reckon we'll go pretty good again this weekend. 0433 if you want to have your say at that. A few people asking whether I'm dodging the Sam uh, Walsh questions. Well, no, I'm not. I can't speak highly enough of Sam Walsh. I've said it repeatedly. The digital guys at SEN, every time I say something positively, write it up. I've said he shocked me with how well he's performing as an inside midfielder. Right from the start, I said he was a 250-gamer. I said he's a multiple Australian, a multiple best and fairest. That was from the start. However, if you ask St Kilda, would they take Sam Walsh over Max King? They would say no. If you ask Port Adelaide, would they take... Sam Walsh over Connor Rosie and or Zach Butters, 
they would say no. If you ask the Western Bulldogs, would they take Bailey Smith over Sam Walsh? They would say no. So the question around that is boring, and I'm sick of talking about it, but I'm not going to apologize for something that I said three years ago when I've been very, very complimentary. In fact, almost over-complimentary of his form this year. I've tweeted about it. I've said it on the radio. I can't say it enough. So get your dummy off the ground, Carlton fans. Put it back into your mouth and worry about your team delivering against uh, the Gold Coast, a game that they should win on the weekend. North fans, been a rough start for you this year. Absolutely no doubt about it. But what they have done, they've fronted up. And David Noble is the coach. He's going to front up from us. um, And we'll have a chat to him on the other side of this. You are listening to the Captain's Run. Big, big last hour coming up. Stick around and get involved. Yeah, we're going to catch up with our good friends at the Melbourne Rebels very, very shortly. Their vice-captain is Matt Tamua, um, and they're coming off an absolute belting last week. So we'll find out how they're going to ride the ship against the force tonight. Um, we'll get a hold of him very, very shortly. So in the meantime, there is an opportunity to have your say. There's lines available. Ring right now. Speak to Benny. You'll get straight through. Still to come, Chad's brother's quiz, Unicorns is the topic of the quiz this morning. I like it. AFL fan emblem pack and a round of mini golf at Albert Park to give away this morning. Um, plenty of texts coming through as well, which we will work our way through. 0488 0433 98 We spoke to Shane Harvey before, who is chasing a 1,000 goals for North Hoddleburg, and he'll be the first player to do that in that footy league. I'd love to hear from you about a local sporting legend that needs a bit of credit here this morning. So so I wouldn't, uh, you know, I was aware that Shane Harvey was playing local footy because he was sort of coming through. Um, it was around the time that I got drafted and I knew he'd been playing with Boomer who had gone back and still dominated at the age that he is at. But I wasn't aware how good and how big he had been at that level. Who is a local legend, a sporting legend that needs some credit? Happy for you to send some through and um, give them a shout-out to someone like Shane, who is chasing a 1,000 goals, who needs a bit of credit this morning on the captain's run. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. And speaking of credit, perhaps... Um, now, I was watching watching Luke Parker play last night, and he was unbelievable. Best man on the ground by an absolute mile. Loved the way that he plays his footy and the way that he goes about it. Now, he's not... He's not new to the scene. He's been around for a long time, premiership player and all of that. But do we give him enough credit? I mean, who are some of the AFL players flying under the radar this year that are having a big season or a big start to the season? On Monday, I spoke about um, Merritt from the, the Essendon Football Club and the form that he's in, and have we recognised it? And is he getting his due uh, the respect that he deserves for the start of the season that he's having? Not sure that he is. Well, Parker's another one. So who's an AFL player that is currently flying through that perhaps we are not getting and giving enough credit to? Uh, stick around on Sunday as well for This Is Your Sporting Life. That one is from 10am. Sam Edmund is going to speak to former Essendon captain and Brisbane Lions assistant Gary O'Donnell. Speaking about Bombers legends, that's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. 0433981116 for you to get involved in the show this morning. Is Matt ready? Benny, I'm not sure. It's on my screen that he's ready or he's not. Nah, he's not ready. We're just having a few issues with 
um, with the phone box at the moment. So let's go to the phones and speak to a uh, one of my nemesises, if that's a word. Steve's in Lilydale. G'day, Steve. Oh, come on, Kane. Don't be like that. Don't be like what that. Criticism, just... What criticism have you got for me this morning, Steve? Hit me with it between the eyes. No, it's been a long morning. Yes, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to go easy on you, Kane. I'm going to talk about someone that you've spoken very positively about recently, Ned McHenry. You've always been very positive about little Ned McHenry. Um, but I reckon he's been unbelievable this year um, just by, you know, pressure. And him and Lockie Murphy and Shane McAdam in the forward line have been unbelievable. And I think they've been undersold. For the pressure that they've been that they've been given, and 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 I think that with, with his support from you, Kane, because you've been so supportive of him, um, get Chase Jones in there, your other favourite player, and I reckon that um, Adelaide will be Adelaide will be fantastic. Well, they've got a couple of high draft picks from that draft. Basically, um, you couldn't miss on that draft, and. They've got Chase who can't find his way into the side. And Ned, I'm with you. And we asked for some players that need some credit. And you've called up and you've answered the call. Ned McHenry to get some credits. Who are some of the AFL players that are maybe flying under the radar a little bit that need some credit? And Steve has delivered with Ned McHenry from the Adelaide Football Club. Right, he's ready to go. The Rebels, the Melbourne Rebels, that is. Vice-Captain Matt Tamua joins us. The Melbourne Rebels are back, Melbourne. Get involved and get around them. Hey, Matt, thanks for your time, mate. Got you there, Matt. Oh, I Have I got you there, lad? Oh, yeah, got you, got you there, Matt. Welcome to the got show. Um, thanks for your time. How's things? How's your week been? Because you got smacked last week. Yeah, we did. Bit of a uh, punch to the mouth last week, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was one of those ones, uh, slow start to the week. Everyone was drooping a little bit. But um, one of the good things is a uh, short turnaround this week, uh, six days. So we uh, we couldn't dwell on it for, for too long. Um, but, yeah, we know we're a lot better than what we what we put out. And I think um, a lot of people do. So it was, uh, yeah, a little bit disappointing. But, um, you know, you got to move on. Yeah, lost by 24 to the Reds last Saturday. So taking on the force tonight, the week at training, does, does it get physical on the back of a belting like that? I mean, you guys are pretty proud athletes. Was it a, a physical yeah. week on the track? Yeah, I'd love to say it's all process orientated, but there's a bit of motion uh, this week, if I'm being honest, particularly in the mm. forwards, a, a few little scuffles and some bit of blood going on here and there. And um, it just shows that people care. So, um, and, you know, and that we were disappointed. So, but... At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you're doing training. We're just going to make sure we're going to show up tonight. So um, it turns out that, you know, if we win this game, we're, we're probably almost uh, guaranteed a, a final spot. So it's, um, yeah, very important for us. Hey, Matt, you, you're born and bred in Melbourne. Are, are the Rebels starting to get some inroads and, and have an impact and sort of find their own little niche in, in what is a, a pretty footy-mad sort of town? Yeah, look at you know we're never going to try aim too high here, um, but no, I think mm. there's a there's a decent enough juniors program here to, to to allow for a professional team and 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 a well supported one. I think all things being equal, we're oh, all things being fair, so we're probably going to play our part and win games because at the end of the day, you know when you've got that many teams to choose from, you don't really want to be going to a game that you don't understand to uh, supporting a team that's losing. So we've got to uh, we've, we've we've got to play our part, win some games, hopefully get some trophies, and I, I dare say the support will follow. Hey, you're president of the Rugby Union Players Association. What what are some of the challenges that come across your desk from the players? Yeah, there's a fair bit, it was a fair bit going on during COVID. Um, obviously, mm. the pay cuts and all that stuff was was was, um, was pretty big, and, and renegotiating our collective bargain agreement this year as well. In in light of COVID, um, in light of quite a few things, uh, the Olympics as well. So, um, 
Look, it's interesting. I, I, I accepted the, the role thinking it wouldn't, you know, not, not knowing COVID was happening, that I ended up mm-hmm. on a Zoom call every other, every other day. So I'll, I'll, uh, didn't, didn't really know what I was getting in for there. But, um, no, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on off the field that you, you know, that you want to try and ensure that it's, um, the game's set up well for the future for, for the kids coming through as well. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good little role that I've enjoyed. Um, and albeit, you know, been quite challenging during COVID, like, like a lot of things, I guess. And off the park, they tell me you're you're an avid golfer. You're getting into the Masters this weekend. A few uh, late nights for you? Yeah, I was just annoyed though because I had Scotty to win his uh, three ball, and then he bogeyed oh. the last. I lost, I lost about a hundred bucks on that. But um, <laughs> I've got uh, Hideki got me some money today, and I had some money on an amateur as well. So yeah, the Masters is uh, is all very exciting. Uh, I think we got a long turnaround as well, so I'll be up uh, up nice and early watching some games this uh, this weekend. Perfect, mate. Hey, good luck tonight and thanks for your time. No problem, fellas. Cheers. Matt Tamoa from the Melbourne Rebels. Don't forget they're in action against the Force tonight. Tickets are available at Ticket Tech. Get behind your Melbourne Rebels. It's time to catch up with Meredith Gibbs for the 11.30 News Headlines. Duncan Thompson Extensions. A huge game tonight. One of their masterminds behind Port Adelaide's resurrection is our next guest, their senior assistant coach, or one of them pretty stocked coaching panel they've got down there is Jared Schofield. Scoey, thanks for your time, mate. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. Uh, sometimes there's a couple of options you can take when you when you have a poor loss. You can uh, tell the boys to bring their mouth guards to training and things get physical and you work on it really hard on the track. Or the other option is to you know just look at a couple of things but move on pretty quickly, Scoey. Uh, which option was it for you and the boys this week? Um, yeah, look, it's, uh, it was an interesting week. You know, um, we, we've had a, a good building. Um, we come up against a really good solid place in Bakefully, and you know, we got found out um, obviously with the result and the way that we performed, um, not to the level. And um, yeah, we we as a group and as a as a club, uh, especially coaches and players, um, really owned it. We reviewed it hard um, you know, Wednesday morning. We truly set up our main training session and. Uh, we didn't have to mention bringing the mouth guards. The boys already had them, and um, we uh, just really sort of lifted the uh, intensity and uh, made sure they're at our identity, our brand. Uh, we were reminded of how we want to play, and, and the boys performed really well on the track. It was great energy, um, but it wasn't uh, a sort of pick apart session. It was really own it, get on with it, and uh, prepare ourselves for what will be a great game tonight. Was it the, the midfield sort of stuff that disappointed you the most, Scoey, in the contest work? Yeah, yeah. From a mutual point of view, um, you know, we really set ourselves. We knew the challenges that would that Nick Nat would present. Uh, but we, we, we collectively, you know, as a group, you know, we didn't start well. You know, a couple of our senior boys, you know, Ollie Wines and Travis Boat took ownership at half time and um, really sort of set the tone. And we felt like we got part of our, our game going in the second half. If you look at the numbers, you know, we started to go. We probably didn't capitalise in the third quarter as well as what we would like um, on the back of some of our improved efforts. But you can't play the, the brand of footy in the first half against any side and expect to get the result that you're looking for. Uh, so Laddams uh, misses out, Scoey, and you, you've opted for the more mobile forward line. Um, the reasoning behind that just just hasn't been in great form. Yeah, probably more. more yeah, it's more based around his form. Just probably not the level, whether he's in the ruck or whether he's up forward. Um, so Pete understands where he's at with that. Um, but look, he'll he'll play for the Magpies, um, rebuild his game, and uh, get that confidence and get that, I suppose, a uh, vigour back into his game than what we're looking for. And um, unfortunately for him, he's um, probably just fell away a little bit. 
the calculated risk behind that is if that you did have an injury like we saw to a couple of teams last weekend, particularly with Gold Coast losing wits, who would be your backup option? I guess Charlie would have to go in there and do the bulk of the work. Yeah, we've got Charlie that can do the work. Cody, Cody Marshall can do some work. And then we've got, we've got a Lear Lear that we know that's done some rock work when he was previously at Sydney. Um, so we feel like we've got a few options there that we could use. Now, Scoey, call me an old-school dinosaur, but I, I get a little bit upset when we don't put anyone anywhere near Dustin Martin. So if he take me through the first stoppage, right? So we have the centre bounce, the ball plays out, mm-hmm. we've got a stoppage in the, in the midfield. Will Dustin Martin be standing on his own or will he have an opponent? Well, I can tell you, Kay, that if he starts at centre bounce, there will be someone very, very close to Good. Um, otherwise, I'll be, I'll be walking out of the box. <laughs> well, that's, um, that's all I need no, to hear. So I, I understand there's, there's yeah. you know, you guys don't want to do a tag, but I, I saw Sydney do it particularly well. If he was there, it was Kennedy or it was Parker, and then he had a match up forward. It was probably Hewitt. So that is more the model that you go with tonight. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely um, pay some close attention to it. We've got a plan, um, but it's not as easy um, as probably what it sounds us talking about. Mm. You know, he's, uh, he has a license to do whatever he likes. Um, you know, he's, he's their Trump player or their striker type player, as I've heard in the media, mm. where you know, he'll play centre bounce, um, he'll float forward as the ball's in motion, and, and then the likes of Lambert, you know, the, the Boltons come up and play around the midfield and allow him to sit forward. So it's that crossover and the handovers, that's the hardest thing now. We saw Hawthorne try and do it with Shorty B, who's played nearly 580 games um, <laughs> the other week, and even he found it challenging. So um, it, it, it's one of those things that, yeah, we'll put some attention to it, uh, but we've got to make sure that, yeah, he's one part, and I know we've said it before, he's one part um, of a very, very good side that allows him to do what he does because there's so many other good players around him. But we'll be definitely, we've got a plan, um, you know, a different plan to what we had previously, and... Uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're confident we can execute it. Do you think the new rules can expose the way that Richmond zone off a little bit? And you know, it's one game, but we saw Sydney do it, particularly with their short, accurate kicking. Now we've you've got some great ball users in the lineup. Is that a possibility to do what Sydney did last week? I think it comes back to just the nature of the game. You know, teams you just got to respect the ball a bit more. You know, with the manning of the mark, you can control the ball, whether it's at speed or, um, or whether it's in sort of slow play. Um, so I think you've just got to really look after the ball, and, and that's what City did really well. They they uh, they hunted Richmond when the ball was in live, um, when it was on the ground, they hunted them really well. But when they got control of the ball, City, they were able to sort of keep the ball off of it and move the ball up the ground. And I think that's the balance between playing fast footy and controlled footy. It's, uh, you know, that chaotic footy that Richmond like. So um, you've got to get the balance. But I think that's the same for every team that experienced that. Maybe it's affected them more. Um, and hopefully our, our boys uh, sort of execute our plan accordingly tonight. Are you happy with the form of uh, some of the younger players in the sample, Scoey? Are, are there guys pushing for positions? Uh, Jackson Mead, perhaps one of those? Yeah, yeah, Mead has been well. He copped a bit of a whack the other week um, against Norwood. We probably slowed him down a little bit. Uh, but, you know, he, he, uh, he's progressing really well. You know, he's showing, you know, his uh, real weapon to the inside sort of... For, Clearance play, he's strong around the contest, but he's got to keep building his outside game. But he's going well. Um, young, you know, I say young, he's in the middle age. Sam Mays is going really well. We expect mm-hmm. Kane Farrell to play more game. I so, yeah, so even um, young Sonny Hayes in the ruck, yeah, he's, he's showing some really, really positive signs and some growth over the summer and, and early on in the season as well. And um, yeah, it was good. But like last week, it was fantastic to see my young boy and Trent, 
Trent Burgoyne play their yeah. you know, sort of first official sort of game. So it's exciting for the club. Uh, Scoey, no word about the uh, prison bar jumper in the showdown, which has been locked in for round eight. Is it, is that surprising? It's only a month away. Yeah, well, yeah, I hadn't thought about that one. But, yeah, look, it's a month away, but we know things move pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, once you sort of get a bit of momentum, I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's, you know, seeing it last year um, in our 150th year, um, yeah, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, I think if the AFL come to the party and, and allow us to wear it in the showdowns. Um, I think it'd be a great thing on a regular basis. So I'm all supportive for it. Scoey, good luck tonight. And I know that if Martin's standing on his own at the first stoppage, I'm blaming you. <laughs> I'm blaming you. Is that okay? All right. Okay. I hope the hope the midfielders are awake and <laughs> listening to this. All right. <laughs> good on you, mate. Good. No, nah, all good, mate. We'll uh, we'll get it done. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Well, thanks for your time, Scoey, on game day, which proves to be a huge one for your club up against the reigning premiers. Friday night footy, can't wait for that. You'll hear all the action on AFL Nation, as always. Jared Schofield, our guest this morning, and that's just about it for us on another edition of the Captain's Run. If you've missed anything, you can catch up on the podcast, and we'll be back from 9 o'clock next Friday. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Enjoy the footy. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.